For all the latest community events, rallies, marches, festivals, and fundraisers happening near you, visit the What's On Events calendar on the TNT Radio website at tntradio.live. Stay in touch on TNT Radio. So, Dustin, you make a great point. You can't, on the one hand, say, well, I'm merely seeking investment opportunities, and on the other hand, disclaim any responsibility for what those investment with the companies you've invested in are actually doing right you can't say oh well you know i just made some investments in Ige farb and and uh you know it's a good financial investment and 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 completely disclaim any responsibility for the fact that they're making zyklon b yeah well exactly and and it's a little different than let's say you took five thousand dollars uh and you bought moderna stock thinking hey whatever covid land is real they're going to roll out vaccines and maybe i'll make a little bit of money peter thiel's investing in early stage in a lot of these companies so he becomes effectively the spokesman for many of them like elon musk does so he's playing more of a role than a guy who just bought a few shares in some publicly traded company he's coming in in early rounds uh one of the other things that peter thiel does yeah, and he's actively directing the development of the technology Yes, yes, exactly. And one of the other things that he does is he has the Thiel Foundation, okay, and this is his so-called philanthropic work. Inside of the Thiel Foundation, he has what's called the Thiel Fellowship. And the Thiel Fellowship, he goes out and he approaches college kids, and he'll say, listen, I will give you $100,000 if you drop out of college and work on whatever the idea is for two years. Now, I've tracked down several of these. In most cases, at the end of the two years, he comes in as the first investor in the company if it seems like it's something that he wants to grab hold of. For instance, he funded a guy named Vitalak Buterin, who was the co-founder of Ethereum at the time that he was developing Ethereum. Now, he had a partner, this guy Vitalak Buterin, whose partner, his name is Joseph Lubin. In 2020, 2015, they launch Ethereum. Joseph Lubin spits off, and he forms a company called Consensus. Well, Consensus is one of the lead developers right now with the central banks and the so-called private sector commercial banks and regulated non-banks building all the central bank digital currency projects that we see around the world. In fact, they're the lead developer on the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub project called Embridge, which is connecting up multiple countries and doing cross-border CBDC tests. So Peter Thiel funded Vitalak Buterin to launch Ethereum. His partner forms consensus. And guess what? Ethereum, which is part of the crypto world that we're told is going to free everyone all the libertarians were behind it ethereum is actually the basis of much of the central bank digital currency this company consensus that works with the central banks is actually building all of the projects on top of the ethereum protocol so it's you see you start with peter thiel with one little investment of a hundred thousand dollars and you can see how this is ballooned into what it's become seven years later and you can track down uh, dozens upon dozens of these. Each one is a rabbit hole. But what I do on my show is I'll pick something like that. And in real time, I basically put all the research together over a two hour period and I kind of move on because there's so much to cover. I don't like to spend 15 or 20 episodes on one particular subject. So anyway, you have feel there 
this big backer of this stuff. You've got Elon Musk, who Peter Thiel is invested in almost every one of Elon Musk's company. Obviously, they go back to PayPal, where Peter Thiel was the don of the PayPal mafia. Elon Musk was part of the PayPal mafia. And so you have Elon Musk uh, getting money from Peter Thiel. Supposedly, Peter Thiel advised him to buy Twitter. I don't like to get a lot into the, the Twitter stuff. But you have Musk now, you talked about with Neuralink, and Neuralink... Uh, helping to try to uh, save people that have paralysis or dementia. But if you really go back to 2018, when Musk first talked about Neuralink publicly on Joe Rogan Experience, it's a lot more than that. And even Musk admits that those people are just the guinea pigs. Now, I also have on record some high-level Frankenstein doctors, I call them, from the military, scientists on podcasts uh, on military.com where they talk basically to a veteran military type audience. And if you really break these guys down and analyze them, which I've done on my show, they are basically laughing about all the people who were maimed and injured that come back from the Iraq war, Afghanistan war, because they become the guinea pigs to do all the cyborg soldier testing on. Cyborg soldier is a program that runs out of our military. They have a you know 50 page document on this. There's all types of white papers connected to this that we've analyzed on my show. And they are essentially using these guys with PTSD, people who've had their limbs blown off, and using them to build the cyborg transhuman uh, experiments that they're doing. It's it's crazy stuff. And these guys, when you listen to them, they really have no heart. And they are telling you that these folks are the guinea pigs. The ultimate goal is to create sort of a cyborg. And if you actually look at the true definitions of transhumanism, transhumanism, transhuman means transitional human. It's from transitioning out of being human and their ultimate goal, uh, and this is from their school of thought, it's their words, not mine, is post-human. And so what I uh, warn my audience about constantly is the idea is to actually engineer humanity out of existence. And so when you take technocracy... Yeah, they call it humanity 2.0. Yeah, yeah, human 2.0, exactly, which is no more humans. And so when you take technocracy, which is uh, a few different things, it's the science of social engineering, we can get into that later. It's also the systematic control of the means of production and the distribution of goods and services, very much like communism. Uh, And then also you have it run by the scientists and engineers. It grew out of really the 1920s with a guy named Howard Scott really put it together under Columbia University. But their whole idea is that the scientists and engineers end up controlling all of society because they're the smartest people. They should be the elite class. They were responsible for the problems we had coming out of the industrial boom because the machines started putting people out of work, you know, similar to what we see today with artificial intelligence. But I always warn the audience, if you let engineers be in charge of engineering humanity, they will eventually engineer humanity out of existence because we will never be perfect in the eyes of the engineer the engineer will continue to find problems you know so for instance we want timothy on the battlefield to be able to lift a thousand pounds okay let's cut off his arms and give him bionic arms well wait a second his shoulders can't bear the weight of the bionic arms okay let's genetically modify him so he has stronger shoulders and you can see this is where we're going with this uh we were deemed to be inefficient metal gear solid wasn't just a video game (laughs) yeah right 
Metal Gear Solid came out 20 years ago, folks, and it was a video game where they put nanobots in the bloodstream <laughs> to create these super soldiers, and the, and the nanobots could detect what the what was needed, whether you needed to stanch some blood from a blood wound or or what the soldier needed. And basically what it was was conditioning the next generation to accept the concept. Right. And what's the, the nanobots in the bloodstream uh, comes from Ray Kurzweil. You know, Ray Kurzweil wanted to give himself, uh, I mean, the guy's taking vitamin injections. You know, this all goes back 25 years, 30 years, but vitamin injections and everything else to keep himself healthy enough till he reached this point in which he could inject nanobots into his body and it would repair his body until we could reach the point in which he could upload his consciousness. And then once he does that, his dream was to be able to beam his mind back into a new biological body or a non-biological body like an iron man suit i mean people would say oh it sounds crazy but these aren't i mean it's not my words timothy just told you he knew of ray kurzweil years ago these are their words these are their dreams and then when you actually look at the companies that our government is funding that the so-called private sector guys who are usually all connected back to the government if you do enough research on them they're getting money from inqtel which is the cia's venture firm you can start to see it's all very real they're actually doing it uh technologically I believe that they could achieve a lot of this, maybe not to the level that they think they can at this point. But if you actually look at the technology, it can all be done. I mean, do, do I necessarily believe you can upload a consciousness to a cloud? No, I broke down the companies that are doing it because I think the one thing that these guys always miss on, and, and I don't really push... Um, organized religion on my show but the one piece that these guys miss on constantly is the soul and i think that's really what upsets these frankenstein doctors these technocrats these transhumanists they're not really a creator they want to be god but they're not god if they were god they'd snap their fingers and all this would be done they are really hijackers they're pirates they're uh, hackers and they're thieves that's basically what they are everything they do is about hijacking the human about modifying dna about putting a chip in your head to be they able even to call it hacking they, they even do. say that they're hacking humanity they, they call it, uh, on the street level, they call it biohacking. Uh, if you listen to Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher to the fourth industrial revolution in the World Economic Forum, he comes right out and says it. You know, you are a hackable animal. You are a useless human. You have no spirit. You have no soul. You have no free will. Those days are over. Uh, that is what these guys say. They claim that those who control the data will be the gods of the new era. We know you better than you know your Yourself. I mean, this all comes from these folks at the top. Now, I, I say to people in my regular life who don't uh, listen to this stuff, they aren't interested or they can't comprehend it, they'll say, oh, that guy's crazy. Well, Yuval Noah Harari may be crazy, but he's standing in front of a room of the most powerful people in the world, the top politicians, the bureaucrats, the professors, the CEOs, the trade associate leaders, and he says that. And he doesn't get dragged out behind the dumpster after his speech and beaten to death with uh, with a notebook. No, I mean, he's up there telling people they have no spirit, they have no soul, they have no free will. Well, doesn't that apply to the billionaires he's speaking to as well as the peasants that he's talking about? I mean, it's crazy when you watch this stuff, but you always have to put it into context. Like, who is he actually speaking to? He's not speaking to me or you. He's speaking to a room of the most powerful people on earth, and he's allowed to get away with it which tells you that they obviously agree 
with what he's saying because there's no pushback. And as well, far as they agree and they think that they're exempt from his critique, <laughs> right? The elites well, always think they're exempt from the critique and that they're the, going to be the ones that survive. Yes, th that's 100% true. And if you listen to the way he frames a lot of stuff, I think what happens on social media when these clips are chopped up and you see a 60-second clip of Yuval Harari and people put it to creepy music, what happens is it turns it into like a sci-fi movie. And I think it actually does disservice to what really goes on. So in my show, I'll take his whole speech or a whole WEF panel discussion and break the whole thing down and analyze it from start to finish. Because I want people to see none of this is being taken out of context. This is actually what they're saying. But yeah, they believe they're exempt. But when you listen to him, a lot of what he talks about is he's warning the elites and he's saying a lot of times, this is what can be done. And if we don't push forward and use this immediately against the peasants, then it can be used against us. So he's actually telling them, he's warning them that this stuff can be turned against them. I mean, it's, it's all very interesting. Uh, and this idea of transhumanism, as I said, it, it, a lot of it connects back to the eugenics era. I know some people have studied that, but if you go back to the progressive era, early uh, 1900s, late 1800s, uh, this idea when we were chemically castrating people here, sterilizing people here, locking them in asylums. Uh, interesting fact in some of the research I was doing, I don't think most people even understand this. The whole idea... The original idea of minimum wage came from the progressive era economists, these eugenicists, and its whole purpose was to drive certain people out of the workforce that then they could deem to be what they called unemployable, which moved them into a category called unfit, which then moved them into a category called feeble-minded, which lined them up to go to a, an asylum and or be castrated. <laughs> it's like, that's where minimum wage actually came from. Yeah, that's where minimum wage came from none of this yeah. is from good and in what you just mentioned actually comes from 18 year old mary shelley in 1806 we'll get to that after the break you're listening to the reckoning on tnt radio today's news talk radio tnt so mary wollstonecraft shelley wife of poet and philosopher percy bish shelley was the daughter a political philosopher, William Godwin, and the philosopher and women's rights advocate, Mary Wollstonecraft. Well, on a dark and stormy night, she and her husband, Percy Shelley, and two others had a contest to see who could write the best horror story. <laughs> and, and she actually won the contest with her story of the modern Prometheus, which people will know better as Frankenstein. So this whole idea of creating humanity, of of hacking humanity, human humanity 2.0, human 2.0. It goes back, folks, over 200 years. This is not a new impulse that we have. And you mentioned Elon Musk, Dustin, on the Joe Rogan experience. Joe asked him about AI, and Elon actually got very pensive and looked almost depressed. And it went silent for a moment. And then he said, basically, they're going to do this anyway. If they do it, it's going to be evil. So we've got to create AI of our own to combat their evil AI. Now, I don't know about Elon Musk. I don't know whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. Like you, I judge people based on their actions. Some of his actions I really like. 
and a whole lot of them are kind of sus. <laughs> but this isn't anything new. No, it's not new. And, and what you just talked about there with Frankenstein, this plays into one of the ideologies that grows out of this. There's a gentleman named Dennis Bushnell. He's the chief scientist at NASA. He's been there over 40 years. And he spoke in 2018 at a conference called FIRE. It was uh, Future in Review. And there, Bushnell bragged about this idea of the human evolution of humans. And so he was talking about an example of uh, three, four, five years from now where little kids on the playground will no longer speak to each other at all and they'll just trade text messages back and forth or be able to beam it back and forth with their brain chips and their thoughts. And he said, so what? This is the human evolution of humans. And now I've seen that phrase be used by multiple transhumanists out there where they are sick of waiting for God or the creator or mother nature or whatever it may be to allow humans to evolve. So they want to grab hold of this. Now, all these new technologies are growing out of this. There's a whole movement of synthetic wombs. I know there was a video that made the rounds a couple of weeks ago on social media. I've been looking at that technology for a few years, been talking about it on the show. And they're actually starting a whole campaign to convince women uh, beyond now just scheduling their C-section the day that they get pregnant. Now, they're trying to convince them that your womb is inefficient it's not worthy and therefore you should just let us you know pick the embryo as you would do through in vitro and we'll grow it in a synthetic womb in a lab now they're not there yet they haven't rolled this out yet as a as a retail product but this is the ultimate goal now you say to yourself where does ray kurzweil think he's going to beam his mind down to where's this new biological body i don't know could he buy a baby that's grown in a synthetic womb that's probably what these guys are aiming for so there's a lot of really weird and again, crazy stuff. New. that's nothing new that's straight out of brave new world yes oh yeah now now sex I, was only for creation procreation was dirty sex was only for pleasure and it was done you know is it, like you want to go to a movie or you want to go have sex and you're sex with uh w the same person more than once in a row was verboten and all babies were formed on an assembly line this is exactly where where these people want to take us. It, it's quite interesting that you, you bring that up. You brought up uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Uh, we've been talking a little bit on my show about the idea of the Antichrist in the Bible and the beast system and everything. It's And I keep posing the question to some of my guests, you know, does life imitate art or does art imitate life? Were these books written as, uh, you know, sort of predictive programming or is it revelation of method where they have to tell you their methods? Or did somebody read this? We looked at it as a warning. They said, wow. Wow, this is a blueprint. I mean, it's quite interesting. We were talking about the Bible, for instance, and I had said to one of my guests who's been studying theology for over 40 years, I said, well, did God write that uh, because he predicted this was going to happen? Or were there certain people that are actually reading the Bible and trying to bring that stuff to life? I mean, I don't know. I just asked the questions. But um, to me, there's just so much out there right now. I've got about 120 episodes into my show so over 250 hours of research that i've shared 
publicly on these topics. And this stuff all connects into a larger picture of what's going on, as I mentioned, with the World Economic Forum and the Fourth Industrial Revolution, which is really this bridge period between the Third Industrial Era and the Fourth Industrial Era. A lot of this stuff comes to fruition in 2030. Uh, More of it comes into fruition in 2050. But this all has to do with the technocratic like work structure that we've been developing with gig work you know you and i who have to log online to do our show we make money let's say on ad revenue which has been a model for a long time but again we're at the whim of the technocrats they can turn off your show anytime they want they could turn me off anytime they want i was uh, partnered with they have turned off my previous shows Oh yeah, I mean I've I've lost Twitter accounts. You used to come on the Douglas DeCody show. Uh, they had turned off Douglas DeCody's yep. ad revenue when I was producing for him. Uh, Mike Moore, who owns uh, Pain TV, where I where I'm located, uh, they Spotify turned off his ads uh, a couple of months ago. He's in a lawsuit now, uh, and it's not just the content creators; it's people that are working in the gig industry, whether it be Instacart, uh, which is grocery delivery. Look behind that company. You're going to find a bunch of NQTEL CIA investors behind that company. You can look at DoorDash, Uber, Lyft, Uber Eats, all these different gig companies where the service workers have been gone. And you can talk to people in the gig industry. One day they're making $300 a day, and the next day magically their account's turned off and they can't make money anymore. So look at the creatives who have been driven towards Fiverr.com, or they sell their goods on Etsy, or people that used to do flea markets and yard sales that are driven into Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, eBay, things like that. When you go behind all these big tech companies, it's the same handful of guys that control all of it. So all of the work is being concentrated into the gig industries, as Klaus Schwab wrote about in 2016 in his book, The Force Industrial Revolution. He talks about the human cloud, uh, which is what is gig work. And we're all being corralled into this system, which is going to eventually tie into what is central bank digital currency and their ability to I was to just going to say, add in CBDCs, and there we go. Well, and this all ties into the 1920s, 1930s ideas of technocracy, which was the systematic control of the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. Once you control the monetary system, now look, I I mean, we could talk about the Federal Reserve going back to 1913. In fact, many of the people involved with that were funding the technocracy movement and the eugenics movement. But uh, you go back to the Federal Reserve system. Now, we all look at our cash as fiat money, people that have been paying attention to this stuff for a decade or so but the cbdc system is even different because now it controls everything down to the last transaction to the cup of coffee that you're buying and they have ability to program it through the blockchain they can turn it on and off uh, through artificial intelligence through algorithms control what you can buy when you could buy it and not just me or you they can control like let's say i've heard people say to me well what about guns are they going to turn off my ability to buy guns and ammo at the gun store never mind that what about them turning off the ability for the gun store owner to buy guns and ammo what about them turning off the ability for the manufacturer of the ammo to buy the raw materials needed to actually produce the ammunition so you can go all the way up the supply chain and it can all be affected along the way and this is what this system of technocracy is 
going to allow. And once you control the distribution of the goods and services and the means of production, I mean, you have a stranglehold uh, around the entire world. I mean, this is where they're going. They talk openly about it. Now, I've had guests on that are in finance and stuff, and we've had open conversations, and we've all been reviewing the thousands of pages of documents and reviewing all the white papers on this and the panel discussions. Now, it's a matter of when it's going to come. Can they get away with it? Are they going to get 190 countries on board with this all at one time? Well, when it's operating through the central banks that are all members of either the Bank for International Settlements or members of the World Bank, I think it can be done a lot uh, easier than people actually believe it could. We almost had central bank yeah, digital it's a, it's currency. it's a lot closer than people think. And, and, and with Obamacare, with the uh, medical records, you know, it's literally going to be, you're going to be at the grocery store. And you're going to try to check out, and the checkout girl is going to say, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry, Mr. Gold, your your last physical showed that you're 2.3 kilograms overweight, so I'm not allowed to sell you these uh, <laughs> sticky buns. So off go the sticky buns, and your cholesterol is a mite high. So that that strip steak, I, I'm sorry, that's going to have to go back too. And if you think I'm kidding, people, you haven't been paying attention. No, that's now, just you're quickly right. because. Uh, we're going to keep you on through the second hour because I've got so much more I want to talk to you about. But for people listening on all of the uh, podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, et cetera, uh, listening to the podcast episodes, how can they find your show? It's uh, the Dustin Gold Standard, the Dustin Gold Standard. And that's on, uh, yep, all the different podcast platforms. And then the ad-free video version of that show is over at pain.tv slash gold. Pain.tv slash gold. Uh, this is a great. I'm, I'm so excited to have you on because we're of a like mind on this stuff and there's so much more to dig into. Uh, and I want to uh, keep talking about the spiritual aspect of this, okay? Because I really do look at this as Satan's revenge, right? This is the devil's last attempt. He was cast out of heaven because he wanted to be on par with God, right? So if, if you're believing in this story, he was thrown out of heaven along with one-third of the angels in heaven because he sought equality with God. And he's the father of lies, he's the deceiver, he's all these names, and he's been whispering in humanity's ear for millennia that we too are gods, that we too can be equal to God, going back to Adam and Eve in the garden right? No, he just doesn't want you to know as much as he does. Of course you can eat that fruit. It's not going to kill you. Go ahead, take a bite, right? And that's what this transhumanism movement is really all about. It's equating humanity with the divine. It's making gods of ourselves, but it's a false promise because all it is is digital slavery. I'm Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning. You're listening to TNT Radio.